It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, play in for what? Well, we'll tell you what, in a crossover episode with Tony East of Locked On Pacers, the Raptors' opponent tonight is, of course, the Indiana Pacers, who are in the play-in mix with the Toronto Raptors. We'll dig into why the play-in is a thing to strive for and get a status update on both teams ahead of tonight's big game to kick off a four-game Raptors homestand. That's all coming up on today's episode. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1365 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, March the 22nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can also follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe either on the YouTube channel or on your favorite audio apps to make sure you never miss an episode. Get those notifications when we have live episodes, all that good stuff. It's always much appreciated when you go ahead and do that to support the show. Today's show, we are going to dig into the Raptors-Pacers matchup tonight. More specifically, just kind of getting a status update on both teams. Where are the Pacers at? What's their level of desire to even make the plan as they sit on the outside looking in right now? Although I've picked up some decent wins of late and, of course, have been very good when Tyrese Halliburton's been, avail- been being available It's unclear whether he's going to play tonight. That obviously changes things and makes it even more of a must-win for the Raptors. Not that it wasn't already. This homestand, it really feels like, please take care of business. Go get yourself at least three wins out of four. Sweeping all four against the Pacers, Pistons, Wizards, and Heat would be lovely. Truly a delight 
for a team that simply can't seem to get over 500, maybe it's a bit of a pipe dream. But either way, we're going to tee it up now. We're going to first talk about the play-in race and what the, the stakes are really for both the Raptors and Pacers coming into tonight and the overall arguments in favor or against making the play-in as a whole. And we will do it with, of course, our pal Tony East of Locked On Pacers. He's the best. Let's get to it now. The chat with Tony East about the play-in, about the Raptors, about the Pacers, and so much more. Let's get to it. Locked on crossover time. Locked on Pacers, locked on Raptors. One of my favorite people to talk to. It's the host of Locked on Raptors, Sean Woodley. I'm Tony East. One of the hosts of Locked on Pacers. And for different reasons, Sean, I don't think either of us thought we'd be talking about the playing tournament on March 21st. I think the Raptors thought they'd be better than that, including me. I thought the Raptors would be better than that. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody thought the Pacers would be good enough to be in this mix, also including me. But here we are. Um, devastating Monday night for the Pacers play in chances, although many fans, I think, have had that ship sail on their heads. Raptors still trudging along in ninth. Before we talk about these two teams in tonight's game, I want to talk about the plan tournament, the value it has to teams, especially teams with different expectations entering the season, and mm-hmm. all sorts of fun things about competitive basketball. Sean, first of all, how are things in Canada? Oh, wonderful. The, the the snow is melting. It's like 10 degrees Celsius today. It's uh it's beautiful. Having a having a great time. I feel like I'm finally emerging from like uh, you know, hibernating all winter, doing nothing, eating nonstop, and just building my stores of fat, which I think is not how it works with actual bears, but uh now I feel like I'm shaking off the rust and uh remembering how to be a bear again. It's nice. <laughs> That's the life. That is truly the life. The plan is a tournament that exists. And I was just talking to a couple Pacers players and a Madden's player, Alfred Payton, who has played in the playoffs before, about the value of the postseason for a younger team. And this, some of this mm-hmm. doesn't apply to the Raptors because, you know, OG's a champ. Jakob's play, played in the playoffs before. A lot of the Raptors, they've all played in the playoffs last year, <laughs> for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. But even still for young players, I was talking to Aaron Neesmith. He was on the Celtics for their finals run last year, Miles Turner, uh, about this. And they were all like, the thing about the play-in or any playoff game is like, it just teaches you the value of the importance of individual possessions. And like, it'd be so huge for us to be there, even if we can't make it through. And I don't know if their tenor has changed because that was five days ago now and they've lost two games since. But, you know, from a competitive basketball perspective and from what it means for the direction of your franchise what do you think about what it means for both the Raptors or Pacers or any team to be in it even if it might not mean anything if you lose in the first game yeah I mean I think we've all kind of agreed that the play-in is basically just like an elaborate way to decide who gets munched by the top two seeds in each (laughs) conference every year and I think that's fine right like the NBA is a league where stratification rules, right? There are two to five teams that have a chance at winning a championship every single season. Maybe you could argue there's like eight this year, although I'd actually argue I think there is one, and it's the Milwaukee Bucks, and no other teams are serious. Uh, but either way, like you can't have every season be about the end game of did we win a championship or not, because then there's just no joy whatsoever. And I think 
like the the player experience angle, the just the sheer fun of a single elimination basketball game, and the the fact that you can kind of have some sort of crowning purpose for your season, something to hang your hat on. You win the play in, you do what Patrick Beverly did last year with the Wolves. No one's ever going to forget that. Like I think there are lots of reasons to want to be in the play in. Yeah, it's probably miserable as like a fan watching your team in real time in that single elimination game, but that's what we do this for. We don't watch sports so we can just like, you know, look at the the, the stat sheet and look at the uh the contenders and be like, "Well, the, 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 they didn't win the championship and uh, you know, the, the 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 season happened and nothing of note took place." That sucks. You want to have some sort of way to cap the season and even if it's just losing in a one-off elimination game, I think there's value to it. Not to mention all of the tangible stuff that you just said, the sort of realizing of, oh, this is a different game. And, you know, each possession is extremely important. And you get to test, you know, guys against playoff level defenses where teams are fully scheming to stop you and not you and also the guy they're playing the next night who plays a similar position but is a totally different player. It's just, it's all... It, all of it is good. I, I I don't understand the sort of backlash to any fan who's just like, you know, why would they go for the play when they can go tank and get the ninth best lottery odds? Like, I'm sorry. I just think like the 4% chance at getting a, a top pick in the NBA draft is not worth the giving up of all the good tangible stuff that can come from the plane. And I think you could make arguments for both the Raptors and the Pacers who are in very different positions that it's better for them to be in it, to get that experience, to play those games than to not. I think there's a lot more stake for the Raptors. Like I'm more receptive to if the Pacers have a terrible last 10 games, like, okay, (laughs) you know what? Mm -hmm. Like they showed what they can, like they still have a winning record when Halliburton plays this year. Right the blueprint for them being awesome is like, this is easy. He plays <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, just add stuff around that. So like them, them not going for it would make sense. Like, I think both sides make sense because of like I said with me Smith and Turner and all these guys, like there are the tangible benefits and I think they want it. They've said they want it, but at the same time, like I'm not dumb. Like I understand <laughs> that the sixth pick is better than the tenth pick, or whatever it would shake out to be. Is it? Like, is it though? Like, did, if we did like a, a historical evaluation of the difference between well, the seventh pick and the twelfth pick, I feel like it's a crapshoot at that point. Like, what are we really doing here? I use six and ten just because someone replied to me on Twitter yesterday. Like, every Pacers fan, I think, is done with the play and chase. But someone hmm. said was replying to someone else. They were arguing about making the plan, and they said, last year's draft, the difference between 6 and 10 is is Ben Matherin and Johnny Davis. And I just went, oh, man. You can't take what the Wizards do in the draft to mean anything. Come on now. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, the draft is never a sure thing and things like that. And Jalen you know, Williams went 12th. That dude right. rocks. Like, it, it's, it's second all situation. Yeah. yeah. So I agree with you for sure on that i just the pacers specifically it's a little different than the raptors where it's like hey uh our kpis this season were like let's be in the playoffs and it's maybe not a sure thing yet yeah i I mean with the raptors it is interesting because obviously they want to make it they make the yakup hurdle trade presumably with the intent of building towards a play-in push at the time it seemed like even the sixth seed was possible with the nets potentially going to tumble they've won a little bit more than i think anyone expected so the sixth seed's off but I do think, you know, even if the Raptors don't make the plane, which I think is unlikely, but even if they make it and lose in the 9-10 game, 
I still don't know if like I would say the stakes are as important for them like in the actual play-in game as they are kind of in this stretch for the rest of the regular season because really for the Raptors it's about hey is this a group we can kind of go play ball with next year right and, and like I think they've honestly kind of answered that question in a lot of ways like yes maybe declaratively yes just with the way Yaka Pirtle has made the team make a whole lot more sense I think if you just had Yaka Pirtle on this team from the start of the year they're probably in like the four or five conversation in the Eastern Conference based on how they've played based on how their defense has performed and based on how the process of their offense has looked a lot better the results haven't quite come along but you know I, I do think ultimately just as like a Raptors fan, I've kind of accepted whatever their ultimate fate is. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I'm more sort of invested in the 26 games that they get with Jakob Pertl, you know, of which there are like 10 left, and how those go and how those dictate the future. And I, I honestly think early returns suggest that that's already kind of been declared a success. And now if they go and win a play-in game and get into a first-round series and spook the Celtics or the or, or the Sixers or the Bucks for a game or two, I think that's kind of all gravy at this point. But yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's obviously different motivations. And ultimately, I don't think the play-in is changing anyone's lives one way or another results-wise. I think you'd be a pretty silly front office to make your decisions based off of one or two games. But uh, the sort of lead-up to it, I think, is where I'm finding the most fascination. Yeah, the interesting decision-making part that you just said is like, pretend either of these two teams make the playoffs. It's like, all of a sudden, if you're Masai Ujiri, for example, it's like you can evaluate what fits in a playoff setting with Pascal, Scotty, Jakob, Fred. Like, what were, what was Absolutely. good, what was bad? Like, how does that change your approach, if at all, of the offseason? Because that is a different game, right? That's what mm -hmm. Neesmith said. He's like, look, I, we, played, we made the finals. Like, you learn a lot about the value of every possession. I already said this stuff. But, like, same for the Pacers, who have never been there. Sure, again, I, I get how for them the high draft pick might be a little more valuable at this stage of their rebuild, but also it's like you have no idea what any of these guys look like in the playoffs. Halberton, Heald, never played a playoff game, either of them. A mm -hmm. lot of them haven't, right? Like you'd learn a lot about what you might need at that part of a build, whereas right now you have not a clue. <laughs> not a clue <laughs> in sight, but they are obviously, again, in a different spot than the Raptors. Specifically, I just wanted to kind of compartmentalize the plan because there's only 10 games left. It's weird to think that like, you have one bad or good week and your season completely changes. The tenor is, is totally different. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the Raptors right now, yeah, I'm sitting all fat and sassy here. Oh, they're nine and seven since Yak came around nine and six with him as a starter. <laughs> the defense is looking good. OG Ananobi's playing his best ball. Fred Van Vliet looks back. They could lose two of the next four games, three, you know, three of the next four that they have in this homestand against the Pacers, the Pistons, the Wizards and the Heat. And I could be singing an entirely different tune and calling for heads and saying it's a big failure. That's what we're allowed to do as feeble sports fans, I would say, is change our minds whenever we want. But, you know, as it stands, I, I think, yeah, the, the the last little stretch here, the race for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, I think is particularly interesting just because it's such an advantage over having to play the two games as a road team. Um, and, and, you know, between the Raptors, Bulls, and Hawks, all their kind of butt <laughs> and uh who is least butt is going to get that ninth seed and i think that's uh, a fascinating kind of way to spice up the end of the season that's the other thing the play-in's done right is like i care more about march basketball than i ever used to and i think that has to be declared some kind of success in the in favor of the play-in as a concept pacers tried and failed to do the two playing rounds thing the first year of it I think only that Memphis team is still the only team from the 9-10 bracket that's ever made it through. Like, it's very hard <laughs> to mm -hmm. win twice from that lower group. That said, though, 
If you don't want to be in that lower group, this game tonight, Raptors Pacers, pretty important. Pretty mm -hmm. important. Let's talk about it. Both perspectives here, Raptors and Pacers, two teams that look different from the last times they've played. Halberton's out. Jakob Pertl's on the Raptors, like we've said. We'll get to all that in just a second. But before we do that, I got to talk to you guys about Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of this episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an actual NBA GM managing your basketball franchise? Your dream can come true. And this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches, trading and training your players, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, making the picks, all the ups and downs of a season, all in this challenging and realistic game. But let me tell you, it is it is hard. <laughs> Ultimate Pro Basketball Gym, completely free and playable offline, play on the go, and when and where you want our Locked On NBA hosts chat is buzzing with trash talk. Pat the designer running away with our titles uh, locked on Pacers and Raptors listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate basketball GM start your dynasty today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you, everybody, for making either Locked On Pacers or Locked On Raptors your first listen today. And every single day, Kyrie Irving's in a walking boot, Sean. I think Locked on Mavs is, should be your second listen. Get the latest from Dallas, who scored 12 points in the fourth quarter and a loss to the Grizzlies. Another show you should listen to because John Morant might play tonight. And there's a lot going on in the NBA. So I could probably talk about 20 other teams you should make your second <laughs> listen. Sean, should we do Raptors first or Pacers first? What do you think? Let's uh, like grill me. Grill away on the, uh, the fighting Toronto Raptors. Well... The big picture, right? Everybody mm -hmm. was surprised at their trade deadline direction, trading mm -hmm. stuff away, not, or excuse me, trading stuff in, picks away. That's what I meant to say in my head. Trading away vets, like many surmised, could happen. Why did that happen? What what led into that for the Raptors? And how much has Jakob Pertl? Turns out having centers is important. How much has that helped to this Toronto team? Yeah, to answer your second question first, Jakob Pertl is a godsend. He's incredible. The Raptors are 17.2 points per 100 possessions better on defense with him on the floor versus Ooh. when he's off. Uh, he's insane. He's he's everything they needed. He ties it all together no, in I, a nice little bow. I have to stop yeah. you for one second. You tried uh -huh. to trade, fake trade me for Miles Turner so many I did. times. This I did. Is why. This is I exactly did. Why. I, I, I honestly, man, it, it was, uh, you know, the, the hundred years of basketball history telling us that big men are useful. Apparently <laughs> it's ringing true once again. Uh, and, and yeah, I think, you know, as far as why the Raptors did what they did, it, it's, I think it was a bit of a, like a, an admission on the part of the front office to say, Hey, we didn't really give this team all the ingredients it needed. We had this idea where what if we built the whole plane out of six foot eight guys and that's just it. And 
there are elements of it that are nice and interesting and uh you know certainly they're long they're they're very like nasty to play against defensively when they really get into their sort of vision six foot nine peak but it's not a sustainable way to play 82 games 48 minutes it's probably reserved for specific spots within games to go all wing and you just got to have dudes with center skills you got to have guys who can set screens and pick and roll and uh you know offensive rebound protect the rim these are types of basic fundamental skills the raptors just didn't have any of outside of christian coloco a second round rookie who is very green and also i think is like sixth in the league in terms of on off defensive uh <laughs> difference just because when the raptors have a center they're good um and, and i think his play kind of spoke to the fact that he did somewhat a little bit more serious at that position over the course of the long haul and yeah i think the front office realized hey we didn't do a good enough job putting this roster in a position to succeed we're gonna try to do that now and we're not under crazy duress to go and make all of these grand sweeping decisions about our core right now at the deadline we can almost use this as like the start of our off season but we can wait until the off season to make our final decisions on a guy like fred van vliet or gary trent jr both of whom are unrestricted free agents what's comp which complicates all of this of course Yak also being a UFA complicates it too, and that I think, and that was my big sort of critique with it all, is they're putting themselves into a bit of a corner here where they're going to have to keep those three guys or find a way to keep at least two of them while signing and trading one of them. Because when you look back at recent Raptors history, they've lost a lot of guys for for no uh, return in free agency. Pretty explainable in most cases, honestly. Like Kawhi Leonard, you weren't going to trade him at the deadline. He just left. You want a title, you deal with it, fine. Uh, but still, there's been undeniable talent drain, not to mention they've had to trade out first-round picks and stuff like that. Um, you know, this is a long way of saying the, the, the free agency situation this offseason there's a lot hanging on it they got to bring these guys back they have to find a way to thread the needle if they can i think they've done a pretty good job of setting themselves up to get into next season and kind of hit the ground running um but you know you also had other sort of bigger picture questions out there too right og ananobi are they going to trade him he was the apple of seemingly every team's eye in the entire league and yeah and it seemed like no one really wanted to pony up like real first round picks to do it or didn't pony up enough and the raptors are under no pressure to trade him he's under contract he's very good they could probably flip him at the draft to some team that's just been beaten in the playoffs that could use a wing defender and get a similar return and so i think they just decided we didn't give ourselves enough proper information to go off of here because we didn't assemble the roster you want you can critique the front office all you want for not building a roster with a real center coming into the season, and I think that's fair. I also think you have to credit them for realizing their mistake, making the trade they did with Jakob Pertl, and not blowing the whole thing up before actually realizing if it was worth being blown up. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated one for sure. The people who love draft picks hated the Raptors' uh, <laughs> moves at the deadline, but ultimately it was a first-round pick for next season, and with the way the Raptors have played with Jakob Pertl, that's not going to be a very good pick. That's going to be, that's going to convey, it's going to, it's top five protected. I'm sure there'll be a playoff team next season or something very close to it. It's not going to be a massive loss in the hole. And Yaka Pirtle at this point, dude, you could have traded four first round picks for him. And I wouldn't have cared because he looks awesome. He just has tied everything together for this team very, very neatly. And it's, uh, it's been a joy to watch. Yeah. It's um, when, when I watched the Pacers play the Raptors, I was like, man, like you can do this project six eight six nine thing but like 
you have to have good point guard play and mm-hmm. center. And Fred mm-hmm. has been much better of late. Oh, yeah. And Pirtle, pride of Rockford, like I always say, second most famous <laughs> person from Rockford, me being the first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and Yak's been good for them. So there you go. That helps. And the Pacers are the inverse team where they have the point guard and they have the center and they have none of the wings. And that's why <laughs> Jordan Wara and O'Shea Brissett lineups do well because they are six foot eight and can fill mm-hmm. in a gap that is typically reserved for a smaller player or another center. So, you know, it's been, uh, it was interesting to me to see the Raptors go that way, but also a litmus test for the team they're playing tonight. Yeah, that is the other part of this. Like, what did you say? They're nine and seven since the deadline. I think they're six and four in their last 10. Mm-hmm. What have they done well and poorly? And can the Pacers exploit any of those weaknesses in this game? Because Pacers have at Toronto, at Boston, at Atlanta in the next four days, those three mm-hmm. road games, tough travel, tough opponents. They lose all three. Seasons on life support, but they've beaten the Raptors twice. That's maybe their best chance, only because the Atlanta game's a back-to-back. It, hmm. Can the Pacers do this, or is it just not a chance right now? I think it's a tough matchup now, uh, just because the Raptors make a lot more sense, kind of on both ends. It should be noted, we're not sure if Scotty Barnes is going to play. Uh, he's got a wrist injury. He had negative x-rays, but as of recording on Tuesday, he seems like he's going to be questionable. We'll see. I-, I would expect he might sit that one out, but, you know, TBD. Uh, even then, though, like, the-, the team has just, they just make a lot more sense. They There's a lot more flow to the offense. The offense hasn't quite found the results i think they're like 19th since the trade but the flow and the like the quality of shots they're getting is there og ananobi's playing out of his mind right now i don't think he's missed a three in like a week and a half it's been awesome he's also defending everyone from bradley beal to nikola Jokic to anthony davis to uh you name it he'll probably guard halliburton some tonight he'll probably guard uh, miles uh, turner some tonight that's just kind of what he plays. does <laughs> if Halliburton plays uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think just the the quality of what they're doing, the, like their offense, it used to just be kind of like, well, we'll stand around and try to hunt a mismatch for 24 seconds. And most of the time that was not bearing a whole lot of fruit. Now it's like, oh, we can run a pick and roll. What? Uh, so they'll bring Yak a purdle up, set a screen, and everything flows from there. They can run Yak from the elbows. They can run, uh, you know, all sorts of off-ball stuff for Fred and Gary Trent Jr. and OG. Pascal Siakam is starting to find his groove again after a bit of a, a fallow period after the trade, kind of dealing with the new space that he's trying to negotiate or lack thereof, just because the front court is essentially three non-shooters or three non-classical shooters in Siakam, Scotty Barnes, and Yak a purdle. And so, yeah, it's... It's been tricky to kind of figure out on the on the edges of like, all right, where's everybody getting their looks from? But for the most part, they're layering in stuff around that yak, Fred pick and roll that all complements one another. OG's been playing out of his mind off the ball as well. He's seemingly he's catching at least one or two lobs from yak at the elbow every single game. Uh, you'll probably see that in this game tonight because it just seems like a thing that can't be stopped. Um, and, and I would expect that coupled with their much improved defense with Yak as the rim protector who was promised and OG being freed up to know that there's insurance behind him as their lead wing defender. He can be more aggressive. And when he's aggressive, it's a nightmare for the other team. Uh, You have Fred Van Vliet, obviously. He's been having a pretty rough defensive season too, but he's been much better since Yak arrived, having that insulation behind him. It's just a more complete and sensible basketball team. And in particular, against a team that doesn't have a ton of good wing defense, like you mentioned, the O'Shea Brissett's Jordan Dewars of the world getting the run for the Pacers. 
I think they're probably going to struggle to contain what the Raptors do well. And so I would expect the Raptors, of course, they've won seven in a row at home as well. I'd expect the Raptors stand a pretty good shot of, uh, of flummoxing the Pacers in a game on Wednesday night. Should we continue? Get on the other side. We'll dig into the Pacers of it all. We'll talk about, uh, you know, what to expect. Will the Pacers go all out for the 10th seed? All of that we will get there in just one sec. Before we do that, Tony, we should tell the good people out there about our friends over at FanDuel. The NCAA tournament, both men's and women's, is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three-pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. I don't know about you, Tony, but when I do dabble in sports wagering, which is very rarely. It's usually when I'm at a game in person and I want to juice up that live experience. The same game parlay is a great way to do that. Just pick three bets or however many you want, but three is usually the way I go within the game and you can get them all together on that same game parlay and win bigger. That's fun. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Tony, let's uh, let's turn this around. My how the turntables and get into the Pacers who, like you said, they, you know, kind of fallen off a little bit here. They are may, may or may not have interest in winning these games uh you know, we, we, don't, we might not see Tyrese Halliburton play on Wednesday I would guess probably not based on their perhaps lack of desire to win these games um what is going well what is like this the, if for, for a Raptors fan tuning in is just like I want to be entertained by some Pacers basketball right now if there's no Halliburton which is usually thing number one that's going to get me enticed by a Pacers game what is it right now that's happening is there something interesting tactically that's going on with the team is there some player who's kind of having a moment what for you is the thing to watch for a Raptors fan with uh wandering eyes wanted to check out what's going on on the Pacers side of things yeah tip typically it's Halberton right <laughs> one of the best god he's so good <laughs> eight guards seven guard uh, whatever guards in the NBA close to all mm-hmm. NBA level probably not going to make it because of games um in the league he's awesome he can shoot he can pass he can do everything and the pacers would be in i believe seventh in the east if he had, mm-hmm. if his winning percentage carried over to 72 games that's not reasonable to think but like just to put in perspective how good he's been and important to this team uh he got hurt in practice a week ago wednesday and they said the next day that he was guaranteed to miss their next three games and they've played those three games so mm-hmm. I guess he, he could play. I really doubt it, though. Mm-hmm. I kind of doubt that an ankle injury would take, you know, seven days and you're good to go. Maybe, but we'll Especially see. Especially when you have the uh, the extra pain that seeps into your bones in March, uh, especially when you're a team that's below 500. <laughs> yeah, uh, get, we call that Shea Gilgis-Alexanderitis. <laughs> yes, that, we had the same player in mind. That's cool. Um, 
So that doesn't speak well of the Thunder, by the way, that we came to the same guy that quickly. It's just not good, Sam Preston. Um, outside of him, they have been exploring a little who can create on their team. Andrew Nembard had some really good games last week, a stinker on, on Monday. Uh, Jordan War has been putting it on the floor a little bit more. Same with Aaron Neesmith. So you'll get to see some exploring. Uh, and also TJ McConnell doing TJ McConnell things, which mm-hmm. has been good for their second unit. He just spearheaded a sweet bench game as they beat the Bucks, which was huge for a couple of these teams last week. It was their first win over Giannis in like five years. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> um, so they have like fun, interesting guys who are developing a little bit. Miles Turner's been really good in the year 2023. He just scored 15 points in a quarter. On Monday, and he's done well against the Raptors this season. Part of the reason mm-hmm. the Pacers have swept them so far this year, which is so unlike the history of Pacers Raptors, by the way. <laughs> so they have players who, in their role, have been doing well. And like, if you go for the for a span of eight games, like let's say five of them or six of them will be good, but two of them will not be good. And the problem is without Halliburton, it's very hard to have those be overlapping games for a lot of guys. So I predict you'll see. Someone young or interesting or Buddy Heald, who is, I guess, Buddy Heald very interesting, but uh, have a good game. Probably two or three guys, but there'll also be some guys who just, you know, head scratch plays and can't figure out what the Raptors are doing. And they're a young and consistent player making young and consistent plays. And that'll hurt the Pacers. There'll be one one or two guys that you go, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't know he was doing that. And there'll be some other guys, <laughs> you know, like Rod Boone covers the Hornets and he tweeted during Pacers Hornets, like this, this is a playing team, this Pacers team, like, you know, that is what they have been doing recently. So it'll be fascinating to see who those guys are. If they all gel, like they did last Thursday, they beat the bucks on the road. Like they are still, they can do it without Halliburton. They just usually don't. So if he plays, Mm -hmm. obviously he's the guy, if not, they're going to need everybody to gel, which has been kind of rare for them. Whole lot of CanCon on this uh, Pacers team. We love the CanCon. You got Andrew Nemhard. You got uh, Benedict Matherin. You got O'Shea Brissett. Chris Duarte. I think we tried to claim, but he's. Uh, I think he uh, has put up the flag for the Dominican. Uh, <laughs> we love to try to claim players as Canadian, though. It's like our favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Um, among those guys, obviously Matherin has been the most eye popping this year. Nemhard, I think. It's. Let me ask you this. Who's more likely to make an all-rookie team, Matherin or Nemhard? Obviously, the Matherin. scoring numbers slide Matherin's way, but like Nemhard has started 53 games. He's had some like high-profile defensive moments. He's had some big uh, buzzer beaters. Like I-, I know it's not like a, a sexy 8.6, f- uh, 3 and 4 line or anything like that, but... Has I guess maybe it's not like a either or thing. Uh, just gloat about both of those fun Canadian rooks. <laughs> Nembard can like move his arms on defense for forty eight minutes, and like no mm-hmm. one in the NBA can do that, can do that. <laughs> it's very it's it's such a randomly unique skill. Like you can keep Logan, whatever. He he's good at a lot of little stuff. His passing and traffic's awesome. He he is kind of the epitome of the guy I just described. That's like. Five good games out of eight, but the three bad ones for him are just like extra bad. You know, whereas mm. some guys might just be, I don't want to dump on him. He's played out of position all season. Like he just now is getting thrust into point guard. He's had a really good year. Mm. Matherin's more likely to make all rookie one because of how voting has worked for all of time. Like for, we it, love you know, points, baby. Give me them points. That's part of it. But also <laughs> it's like, you know, every voter, like, I don't know if this is, maybe too pessimistic. What do they watch? 15 full games for every team throughout the season. If they're, you know, that feels, actual, uh, 
like, a little high, uh, you think? Probably a little high, I guess. I don't know, man. There's That's some, what uh, I always estimate in my head for every team, but I think that might be a little high. I think um, there's like uh, Houston Rockets broadcasters. I don't know why it's always the Rockets. I guess I'm just thinking back to like Harden MVP years, but there's always like a Houston Rockets broadcaster who you know has watched like nine non-Rockets games all season long who gets a vote. Uh, th- those are the people that, uh, you know, probably like you're saying are looking at the the first two weeks of Matherin going off and being sure. like, he's all rookie, already finished that work in but November, I, done. I, I still think he'll finish top four for rookie yeah. of the year and be first team. Like, yeah, the scoring's fallen off, but that's part of it is is being a rookie. Part of it's like teams are like, oh, we've got to guard this guy. <laughs> like, have to, <laughs> like, send coverage at this kid. And he's adjusted to that. Like, he's he's gotten a little bit better at, at swinging it and being a part of the second unit. Carlisle's credit is passing isn't like setting up teammate buckets yet but it's better mm-hmm. um, i do fear that he's gonna get the og treatment in this game and uh <laughs> that won't be fun <laughs> yeah you know we'll see what ends up going on there they're both they're both good um i Nembard's played for team canada before right and i think joe varden mm-hmm. reported that matherin would would like to this summer yeah. i think that nick nurse already has his 14 guys picked but if someone's hurt or can't do it or something maybe matherin can get that shot for fiba play which would be cool i mean he's certainly mm-hmm. very good so yeah, we'll see those two uh, Canadian team mainstays potentially in a couple years, and certainly Pacers mainstays. I think that they're trying to figure out what Nembard is and what he can be like when this team's good, and that's why you know maybe an important game would be helpful. Um, but yeah, man, they've both been they've both been good. It'll be fun to see them back in up in the up in the six, as they say. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you. We'll finish off with the topic everybody wants, which is O'Shea Brissett. Um, <laughs> And the reason I ask you this is because Raptors fans, Tony, all season long, it's been a little quieter since Jakob Pertl arrived, but start of the season, super thin team, not a ton of bench production. You got Yuta Watanabe going off with the Nets, having been on the team the last couple seasons. And O'Shea Brissett kept on getting brought up as this like lost gem of the Raptors <laughs> development model, a signal that the model that has brought them so much goodness over the last decade or so is finally starting to show cracks. How on earth did they let O'Shea Brissett out of their grasp? Uh, can you calm Raptors fans down a little bit? Or maybe you have glowing O'Shea Brissett praise to make them feel even worse about all of this. But I kind of feel like it might be the former. Every team gets one. Guy, guy like that right like like total fringe rotation guy that you're just convinced like oh, he would have been so a lot of Pacers fans loved like Alizé Johnson for forever did he get a another game? Raptors 905 classic maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was really popular as a fringe dude he was a really good rebounder Brissette's like good um he is like no matter who gets hurt no matter what position they play because they have a lot of guys who can play multiple positions Brissette's the first guy who gets mm-hmm. that spot in the rotation. So he's been playing a lot more recently because they've been dealing with injuries. He's still valuable, right? Just when you're that size and you don't suck at anything, like <laughs> you, you are a helpful player, right? Like he he's a low mistakes guy. He's not the best shooter, finisher at the rim, certainly. But you know, if you're a low mistakes dude who's 6'8 and can kind of dribble and kind of shoot and it, it, you're average at worst on defense, like that's valuable, right? Like that that's a valuable player type. He'll be in the league for, I'd, I'd say, five more years at least just because, mm-hmm. again, like – low error players are valuable but at the same time not like this big lineup razor unless he's hot because at the same time he's not like amazing at anything either right kind of that in between kind of guy where i get where if you're a team that's like ugh we keep losing because you know we do stupid stuff like turn it over or lose a guy <laughs> on five back cuts in a row it's like man if we had this mistake free guy we'd be great but it's like well i don't know you need like a really good creator with them or other stuff like he, he's good he'd help the raptors but 
there is a limit of what he can provide. Any parting shots here, Tony, before we uh, send everybody off into Raptors Pacers this evening? Any uh, last uh, things you're looking for? Anything that's got your uh, your interest peaked? Not really. Uh, I love watching OG just because we overlapped at school and you know, some people <laughs> reported the Pacers had interest. So, uh, of course, yeah. that'll be interesting to watch. But if Albert way played, he play has played. I, I oh, man, I. I thought at the deadline, I was like, I think you got to trade OG because of all you could get back. Think of the picks. I became the thing I hate. Uh, <laughs> but uh, stuff. he's been insane since Yakker Pertle's arrival. And I think the chances he gets traded are going down, 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 down real quick. So I'm sorry for you, Tony, in particular, that he's not going to be a pacer anytime soon. I'm very sorry for you and no one else. I literally cannot think of a better fit for what the Pacers need to know. You, you did mention they could use a wing uh, who can do some stuff yeah. at 6'8". He's very much that. He's one of many the Raptors have in that department. Again, no Scotty Barnes potentially, so one fewer guy in that department. But uh, yeah, OG rocks. I'm excited to watch him tonight. Shall we wrap here, buddy? Yes, Sean is on Twitter at WoodleySean. I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA. Neither of us tweet as much as we used to, but do with that information what you will. Why, why would you? <laughs> I tend to, I just tried to turn off two-factor login with my phone today, so I don't get my oh. account removed. And it's all so stupid. Um, it's very yeah, good. Well, it's it's working very well. I'm glad I've hitched my wagon to this uh, sinking ship. It's awesome. <laughs> We'll be breaking down this game and the important stories and takeaways on our respective shows tomorrow. So you will not want to miss that. If you're a Raptors listener or Pacers listener, thank you so much for making it this far. We will see you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.